Hi, welcome to the new episode of Sports Seat. Let's talk sports. Today we have with us Prantik Majumdar, an entrepreneur, a venture investor, and somebody who acts as a digital transformation catalyst, an organization to drive sustainable change and impact. Prantik, a avid cricketer, after pursuing his major in computer engineering, a minor in technopreneurship from the National University of Singapore, has kickstarted his career with Singapore government, and from there went on to make a great journey in entrepreneurship. Uh, he started his entrepreneurial journey with Happy Marketer in 2011 and spent a decade building and scaling one of the best and most awarded independent digital marketing services firm in the region. In February 2019, he had a successful exit when Happy Marketer was sold to American Digital Enterprise called Markle, which is a part of Densu International. Currently, he's serving as a managing director of CXM Group at Densu Singapore. He's a regular columnist with Marketing Magazine, Campaign Asia, Economic Times, Business Times, on all things digital transformation and marketing and has trained over 500 enterprises in the region on the subject. 2015, he was recognized as one of the top 50 most influential marketers in the world. Apart from his corporate role, he's an active angel investor, a venture capitalist, a mentor, advisor, and speaker to organizations like Quest Venture, Thai Singapore, NUS Angel Ventures, and many more. So please welcome happy marketer, MD CXM Group, Densu Singapore, Prantik Majumdar. Hi, Prantik. It is great to have you on our platform, Sports C. Let's talk sports. Thank you so much, Sid. It's a pleasure to be here. I've seen some of the work that you've been doing, and you know, it's always great to sort of connect with uh, sports enthusiasts. People look at uh, multi-sport from the lens of business and marketing as well. And well, good to connect with someone who lives in Pune as well. Yes, and uh, that is, and uh, again, as as we just spoke about the Pune connection uh, and the sports connection, as well as the marketing entrepreneurship, I think there's a big journey uh, with with Prantik that we are going to hear. A uh, lot of our viewers and listeners are uh, the MBA uh, MBA students. A lot of them are want to make a career in sports, career in marketing, and all those things. I think, uh, guys, we have somebody who is a great marketer. Just to give you a quick background. Uh, uh prantik is uh, is an entrepreneur a venture investor uh, act as a digital transformation catalyst in organizations for to drive sustainable change and impact i think that is more very important uh, and, uh, and the one of the reason that he is here that we got to host him is not only about his entrepreneurial side or the marketing side he has been a avid cricketer i think he has been a cricketer while growing up so and uh, that has uh, we are going to hear uh, i have read somewhere but i we are going to hear a story about how the sport has impacted his journey uh being an entrepreneur and being being a person who is uh, i think 40 under 40 and all those things uh, tags which are there with you uh, prantik so uh, looking forward to this chat with you absolutely i'm uh, very very happy to be here and you know it's always sort of good to sort of speak and learn as part of the process because it's it's a good discovery process for myself and you know the more i connect and more i listen and learn uh, that's that's what the journey is all about right you meet people you share ideas and notes and you exchange thoughts and uh, you never know what this uh, leads to exactly uh, so prantik on that note when you said the learn- journey is about learning and implementing that so i think the first question that comes uh, how the, you you as a early life as a cricketer i think there are a lot of learnings the small things and that shaped your life so for a typical uh, a business enthusiast or somebody wants to be an entrepreneur these are the small things that you grow up with so how do you think that you can link those thing uh, as a uh, as a cricketer while growing up and taking it ahead into your entrepreneurial life 
Absolutely. I mean, there's just so much to sort of talk about that. But I'll start, uh, you know, my cricketing journey, obviously, as I was telling you, I grew up in uh, Pune in an area called Vishrantwadi where I like, I'm sure, thousands and millions of kids in India, you know, you start playing cricket on the streets, under the, in the car park of your building. And uh, I was very lucky at some point, I think it got formalized. So I went to a school called St. Vincent's and prior to that, uh, the store in camp area, but there was no formal cricket in those schools. Uh, and, you know, at best we used to get to play using, so hockey was quite big. So I think my yeah. proper school cricket started with playing cricket with hockey sticks during <laughs> lunch, lunch breaks and Vincent's, whoever I might have been to the campus, a brilliant ground. So we were always very upset that soccer is big, hockey is big, but cricket is not there. But uh, I got my first break, uh, you know, when my parents saw the interest and potential and they put me into this club called uh, PYC, Pune Youth Club, uh, you know. Uh, and a wonderful cricketing culture in Pune where, you know, you typically either Pune club, Deccan Gymkhana, PYC. So I went for the summer camp early in the morning. My uncle would drop me there. And then I did well. I, you know, I really enjoyed. And that sort of uh, started the journey there. And, you know, I think the few things and over, from that period on till today, you know, cricket, uh, sports overall, but cricket specifically is very, very close to my life. Whether it's, uh, you know, playing the sport at school, college, uh, traveling from, you know, in Singapore, I did my college and, you know, as part of the cricketing uh, team, uh, you know, we would travel to Australia, play cricket, there you make friends. But the more I look back and reflect, you know, towards the things that really uh, stand out, you know, uh, and how you can sort of link to your question, link it to your professional life as a manager, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader. You know, I, I'll start with the element of uh, humility in failure. You know, uh, you know, we talk about sports, we talk about winning, we talk about championships, but I think sports, and I'll obviously use cricket because that's something I'm so connected to and I play and I've, you know, observe is there is nothing like, you know, sports sort of being a great leveler. You know, you score a century, next day you start from zero again. And that is so, 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 so important because to learn how to not just handle failure, but as I say, you know, to be a gracious loser. You know, there is a negative connotation to the term loser. But uh, to me, it's very, very important. How do you uh, react to a loss? How do you, as an individual, as a leader, as a teammate, how do you handle that? How do you accept firstly? I think to me, I'll talk about that, right? As being a humble and a gracious loser, I think is very critical because I think there's a lot being said that, you know, nothing like learning from losing because when you're succeeding i read a quote somewhere from peter drucker recently saying that you know uh, you know when you succeed sometimes over time success sort of overshadows the lessons of what led you to succeed right it sort of obsoletes the behaviors that led to success uh, bill gates talks about that that you know you don't learn from success you'll only learn from failures so that is something the beauty of sport that You've done well, whether you're a Kohli, who's probably right now going through a lean patch, whether you're a Sachin, whether yeah. you're Shreya Sayyar, doesn't matter who you are, you start from zero. And that's what every good coach tells you, right? You take your stance, or in fact, even when you score a century, they tell you, take your stance again, because it's a fresh new ball, you could get out, right? So that's one. The other is about risk management, right? Because, you know, when you're playing a team sport, it is so, so important to be aware of the external conditions. You know, today when you're playing competitive cricket, 
you know there you you have access to data you are looking at weather forecast you know assuming for example in singapore when we play cricket it's a tropical country is always a good chance to you know yeah. for it to sort of uh, you know rain and so there's someone in the team whether the coach manager or a player because you know to be honest in all my years of cricket i still struggle to understand uh, the duckworth lewis method right so i don't try and use my brain there i'm 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 sort of referring to that table that boss is it you know what should i be doing right so risk management drives so much of your strategy planning right and i think one of the things to do is again if you want to win they say in business or in sport you need to learn to know how to cut your losses you need to learn to know how to lose less even in the world of investing they say that you know the ones the folks like warren buffet over lifetime they also know a the power of compounding which is true in sport how do you keep practicing so that your skill sets compound but also how do you cut your losses how do you minimize your risk same way right in cricket i love that analogy because you know suddenly you're playing well but at the same time and as they say in test cricket as much as you can drive a cover drive or punch the ball you need to know what to leave yeah and and that's the beauty of cricket you need to know it is equally important to know what to leave right okay. it is a, and that is risk management to me so in business you know you don't want to chase every opportunity if he's going through a lean period sometimes you know i think of you know what i've got to be like a dravid i've got to just stay the course this year this year looks tough let me survive it's a long game right so risk management uh, driving strategy uh, i think is the second lesson that i learned and the third is you know it's it's at the end of the day if you look at sport you know it is also about having fun through the process you know whether it's a like of dhoni whether it's pujara they speak so much or obviously sachin as well who speak so much about the process and sort of maximizing what's in your control i think one thing that i've learned from cricket is or my coaches is you know you can and you should only focus on what's in your control which is the process right any good athlete whether it's uh, tennis whether it's a nadal whether it's pedra it is yes god's given you some element of talent uh, one may be blessed with little bit of infrastructure you have you have the you know you have the kit you have the you know and you know recently i watched that movie i'm sure some of you may have watched which is the kon hai pravindra tambe you know that also sort of shows you that you know tenacity and focusing on your process and having faith on that yes uh, you know not everyone will play ranji or international uh, but you know what you aim big and you focus on the process maybe you will play ranji maybe you will be in a kkr squad but that's massive right uh, or maybe you, like me you will just end up playing club cricket in singapore but uh, it is just important to sort of have faith in you and focus on the process because uh, if you do that i think you are just maximizing your chances right so in summary you know i'll talk about in reverse that focus on what's in your control and the process you know look at risk management where can you cut losses and sort of leave leave the good ball you know the first hour of the day let that go and then you will sort of milk and uh, you know milk the cash cow and you know as we started speaking about earlier is you've got to sort of uh, uh, you know uh, again right so those are the fundamental lessons that you know if you sort of focus on what's in your control uh, manage your risks i think yeah. uh, that will go a long way yeah i think uh, you said something really well it's about uh, learning from the loss uh, the losses the being a good loser yeah. good uh, gracious loser is something very yeah. very crucial in the in the whole thing and i think that yeah. the new next generation the new generation which is coming up with so much of aggression or at the same time a lot of information at their fingertips i think it it's something that very need to understand because at the end of the day it is uh, the mental toughness or mental conditioning is being playing is is being considered in every industry 
and uh, people are yeah. quitting jobs because they can't take the cope of the stress or uh, they are quitting sports because they can't cope up with uh, the demands and uh, i think that's where uh, graciously learning accepting the loss and uh, taking the next step i think that is something very crucial and i think you touched it pretty well and it's not only for the mba lesson i think it is something that can be used on the ground by the athletes uh, while looking at their uh, career so uh, yeah. so just uh, drifting into uh, the the professional journey that you have had beyond beyond uh, uh, a cricketer uh, is uh, you i'm i'm sure that with with uh, with the happy marketer as a company which you founded and then had a great journey with that and before getting that into the i think merkel with which became which is uh, which is densu and uh, currently you being the md of densu uh, in singapore uh, heading the marketing side and strategy side of it so uh, in all those thing i'm sure densu being a global leader uh, you have seen a lot of sports marketing that has happened over the years so as a happy marketer and a part of densu how do you think the sports marketing has evolved over the year yeah that's a great question you know so uh, you know over my 15 20 years in the marketing and business strategy and you know whether as happy marketer or uh, in fact very few people know that when we started happy marketer i in parallel also given my love for sport and also co-founded another sports venture called game changer sports venture with a sports lawyer out of uh, bangalore uh, very dear friend amrit uh, but unfortunately that business didn't take off because it didn't get enough attention today amrit runs a very successful sports law practice i, I moved on to uh, you know happy marketer i think you know fundamentally what was growing up uh, obviously, obviously i was always playing sport right but as i sort of started looking at it from a business lens you know first things first i wanted to understand how does sports make money right so if you look at any sort of uh, reports uh, across whether it's pwc everyone everywhere else generally speaking there are four broad ways of making money right there is gate revenues now there is advertising there is sponsorship and then there is you know merchandising generally of course today with esports coming in you have subscription revenues there's fantasy league gaming there's betting etc that sort of coming in so to me i think what's really evolved is fundamentally if you look at any of these large and again i started studying non cricketing sports because you know you look at the us we were talking about it whether it's major league baseball super bowl whether it's uh, nba whether it's obviously epl uh, what was fascinating for me is how do these different sports uh, structures how do they work right i think one fundamental shift that's happened is the reliance on gate revenues has gone down right and this is true also in the in the entertainment world right so recently i had the good fortune of meeting uh, vishnu who you know the maker of it the movie and uh, uh, it was a very fun candid conversation where he said you know i told him you know what it was my first movie after the pandemic in singapore and it was amazing to see in singapore people clapping indians non indians people at tears and he a very hum- uh, you know humbly said by the way guess what the movie was a box office loss in india and it really hurt me at at one level but then thereafter he said you know thankfully i made enough money out of it and i said how does that work he said that because of the digital era uh, through the ott platforms uh, you know there sort of there's a minimum guarantee revenue that comes around and so same thing i saw i could relate to ipl during the lockdown or during the uae or you know when audience was not allowed the ipl could go ahead but without audiences they could still make money because of broadcast right the advertising sponsorship broadcast so i think one fundamental shift that i'm seeing is because of digital as much as i love to you know go down and watch sports but it's interesting that they don't have to rely on gate revenues uh you know for making money because 
today suddenly anyone and everyone can stream the sport and uh, you know through hotstar or whatever you know i think uh, you you can enjoy the sport more people can enjoy uh, hopefully gate revenues can i sometimes think you know maybe gate revenues can be made to be uh, nearly free so that a common man or woman can watch it because the sport is not dependent on it right so that's one fundamental shift that i see the other that i'm seeing is of course the digitization of various elements of sports i think cricket is a great beneficiary in terms of technology right be it uh you know umpiring you know drs of course it's a controversial system but you know any tech system takes time so recently i had a good fortune of having lunch with simon topel in singapore and you know simon's a great advocate of tech but obviously used in a humane manner used in a manner where it's augmenting as opposed to replacing human umpires right the technology is not there yet so whether it's in data analytics to sort of help coaching whether it is using data analytics to sort of spot talents like what we have seen in the movie moneyball with baseball yeah. today that's entered soccer that's entered cricket so talent scouting uh, you know uh, you know using it for your coaching analysis and part of uh, a very dear friend from pune who played cricket for maharashtra he eventually captained singapore uh, chetan suryavanshi who's based uh, here he yeah. today uh, you know runs sports kingdom kingdom they using technology you know uh, so is a dear friend and my son also goes to his coaching class it's great to see how they sort of using technology to sort of you know you know educate parents you know this is again not that i am a big believer that i want to check and keep an eye on my son as long as he's having fun but it's good to see right hey here's what he's playing well here's what his bowling action looks like so i think coaching talent management and also uh, you know the other element is today the reality is only a few players will play international cricket right but what's also happening thanks to digital tech social media is players are also getting a chance to showcase their talent to showcase various aspects of their sporting career uh, you know because not everyone can monetize it at the international or ipl level but perhaps you can do it as a sports influencer uh, you know i am part of a strategic advisor of a sports company called red sports uh, along with uh, boria majumdar and a few others and one of our ambitions is you know what we were talking earlier is like when i realized that you know i can't be a cricketer let's say when that sort of bubble bursted i realized i'm not good enough i also said i want to build a career in sports a sports marketing is one but i also realized you know when during my cricket tour to australia from university it was amazing that when i met the cricketers they had a clear path that okay if not play for australia or sheffield shield i could be a sports nutritionist i could be a sports analyst i could be a sports uh, you know psychologist i could be uh, you know so many different things right and these are young 18 year olds that is because the education system supported that and today and one of the things that ref sports we really want to do is one at a college level or even at class 10 11 12 and you know you obviously would appreciate this that there has there is so much of opportunity but there is a lack of structure there is a lack of pedagogy and perhaps lack of trainers and that if there's a byjus in india teaching you know whatever class 11 12 etc why isn't there someone saying you know uh, how do you become uh, a mental health coach in sports right we all know the importance of all that but today that education leading to career options isn't there right and i'm hoping through various companies we can sort of change that right so you know in summary what's fundamentally changed is digital consumption of sport using digital and data and tech to sort of talent scout and do the analytics part of it whether in umpiring or whether in playing and fundamentally i really hope i'm beginning to see that but i really want to see uh, sports leveraging digital and data to educate and create career paths beyond just playing beyond just sports broadcast and marketing but in 
psychography, new, uh, nutrition, mental health, uh, women in sports, uh, you know, the commercial aspects of sports. There is so much that sports can offer. Uh, and I hope there's, there's more that can be done. And, uh, you know, hopefully folks like you and me and hopefully many others who are so passionate about sports can sort of drive that change. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, you covered so many aspects. Uh, it, it actually became a, a mini masterclass about what 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 people can look forward to. I think it, it was pretty good. Uh, and and in the, in the whole thing, yes, I have spoken to Chetan. I know Chetan uh, very well. About uh, he, he was in Pune. We spoke about his opening couple of uh, academies with Rohit Sharma and all here. Uh, so uh, we were talking the same thing. That how do we grow? How do we uh, take the sports? Uh, now there is a marketing of sports and marketing through sports. And how do you make a good mixture of all these things? Like uh, IPL could survive. At the same time, ISL could uh, go behind the closed door because as it is, nobody is coming and watching it uh, in the stadium. So for them, at one location, they cut the losses of traveling across India. And I yeah. think it was pretty good. And, and they could still sustain it. I think that these are the things. Uh, there was a positive outcome out of COVID. I think the digital transformation happened. Uh, uh, I consider the company called Fanisco on fan engagement side. I think the whole... Uh, the fan engagement side of uh, sitting at home and still feeling the part of the community. I think that exploded and that opened up a different opportunities for companies to uh, earn money more than the physical revenue. I think uh, these uh, these things really uh, changed the sphere and I think you covered that uh, really well uh, uh, talking about it. Uh, so now, uh, as, as a marketeer, uh, you've been a, a great uh, founder at the, and beyond that, uh, after uh, you've been an investor in a lot of startups. So uh, as an investor in startup, how do you decide which startup to invest in? Uh, is it about the product? Is it about the team or just a wow factor? What is that exactly you look for? Or or anybody looking to, to raise funds? Uh, I know the raising fund is not the right mandate to have a startup, but uh, still that's going to be a part of your journey. So what exactly are investors looking for uh, when they're trying to raise, invest money in something? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll try my best to sort of, you know, uh, take some lessons from the world of sports, right? At the end of the day, you know, when I, as, a, as, a, uh, as an in, individual angel investor, uh, it again boils down to that element I spoke about risk management, right? At the end of the day, as the asset class of angel investing is quite risky because you're literally sort of, uh, you know, investing or hoping to back a company at a very early stage. And uh, just like, you know, a sports star or a cricketer, the, the cricketer or the sports star could be good, but there are so many external factors that could go wrong. And it's a long journey, right? So first and foremost, one has to agree and acknowledge that it's a very risky prospect, that whatever money you're putting, it's not coming back anytime soon. And uh, if it does, great. Uh, hopefully it gives you a good return. But uh, the risk is high, it may never come back. Or even if it does, it comes back much later. So I think once you sort of... Uh, do that the next thing is you know you can't if one is looking to be an angel investor before i come to the different parameters you can't be just betting on one sports star again given the risk you've got to build a portfolio yeah. so if you if you're looking at sort of you know it's like a team right if you or you're a coach you are coaching hundreds of students uh, you know through a process maybe five or ten of them will go on to the next level maybe one will hopefully potentially uh, you know play for india and of course if you're as great or uh, as someone like uh, archrekar sir maybe there'll be three to five players who sort of eventually go and play for the country that's a that's an outlier sort of sort of a situation right but i think when you look at individual sort of startups uh, a 
a few things that come to my mind in terms of risk management right i think i would even you know start with the found what i call a lot of people talk about the 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 product market fit but for me it's the founder problem fit so if i'm if i meet a, a particular founder or founders i really want to understand how do they define the problem statement before the product or the solution what is the problem how are they defining it what is their emotional connect i am a big believer not in logic but in emotional i am a believer that we are you know we are emotional animals we make decisions emotionally uh, but we can justify them rationally uh, and you know as a marketer what am i doing i'm showing you a marketing message to play to your emotions and to get you to take an action right that's the whole point of marketing simply because we we are emotional beings and there i you know to me how can they how do they sort of classify the problem what is their vision around that problem what is their emotional connect or story you know so when a chetan for example tells me about cricketing the might get it because he's been through that from his childhood he's emotionally vested right uh, he's quite clear about the uh, the problem statement uh, so that's something that matters a lot to me because you can be a great founder but are you the right founder for that problem is a big question right uh, because i could be a great pharma or i could be a great marketing uh, ceo or a founder but am i a, the right founder for sports maybe maybe not one has to judge that second is how big is that problem statement it could be a great problem but maybe it's a very local problem maybe it's a very a problem limited to the citizens of pune but is this globally applicable so for example if someone's doing a startup in cricket that's great i know i need to know the market size because cricket is played uh, unfortunately relatively far fewer countries than many other global sports so relatively speaking if someone's targeting soccer or uh, you know uh tennis for example the viewership or the uh, participation could be much higher so the uh, an approximation of the dollar value of the market size is critical right so those are certain early questions then i would also look at the chemistry between the founders because uh to me i think it matters a lot because if the founders are right uh who if there is good chemistry between them if there is for example there are many founders who can be quite greedy saying i am the major founder i keep 90% the other two get 2% 5% and that's a bit of a red flag because uh, you know uh, there isn't much skill in the game for the smaller founders there is enough reason for them to leave right also i i like founders who want to sort of create a platform to create jobs to do something big and good and to share the wealth right so for example if founders don't keep enough uh, esops that's a red flag because how will you attract talent because in startups people are not joining for good salary because typically you are unable to pay great salary up front but are you willing to sort of because if people have skill in the game then you are participating in the team sport right there is uh, enough uh, skill in the game so that's something i sort of look out are they looking to sort of create a team a great vibrant culture right and then of course i look into eventually what is the solution or the framework of the solution that they sort of come up with uh and is there the product market fit are there customers willing to try it out are there customers willing to pay open their wallets and pay for it uh, are they in fact i don't want too many customers i'm happy if there are two customers but they are buying again and again so if i rather look at recurring revenue than 10 customers buying one time and not buying again right so you want to see that stickiness you want to see that recurring revenue coming in so these are a few aspects that i would look at starting with the founder their passion for the passion and clarity for the problem statement how large 
and universal is that problem statement and then what's the camaraderie and culture like even you know at the founders i like founders who are uh, stuck at the hip in terms of values they may they should have complementary skill sets but they must be aligned by values because it's a team sport at the end of the day right like i said the real test is when things are going bad are they willing to stick it through right uh, that's a sort of camaraderie and uh, mutual respect that you want because when things are good obviously everyone's enjoying yeah. and of course what's the sort of product also the last thing i would say is i like founders who are passionate about the problem but are flexible about the solution sometimes mm-hmm. founders are too rigid about no this is the only way this is the right way uh, but in life you know we all know it it, it can't be right it, there are various answers to the problem you've got to be flexible and you've got to let the market tell you uh, your your solution may be right but may be wrong and are you willing yeah. to be coached are you willing to change your ways right and this is true with sports people right you may succeed from one stage to at an early stage with a particular batting stance but as you get older as your reflexes uh, drop you may have to change your stance so that flexibility and coachability and having an open mind uh, also sort of matters so it's these softer sides that you know at the early stage there's no hard science you can't know it through a yeah. through a powerpoint deck you you have to sort of meet them spend some time to get a sense and you've got to trust your gut before you play that shot yeah i i think uh, very very well put in and uh, i think as as you are giving the analogy to the sports i think uh, it's it's a game, if it's better to be game of skill than game of chance uh, yeah and uh, so uh, that the difference between the way we talk about betting betting and fantasy right so dream 11 talks <laughs> about building a team and yeah. and uh, thinking that you are also dimag se dhoni sab log hai dimag se dhoni so i think that is uh, that is uh, better than just just uh, going blind with it i think it's a very good analogy that you put in about uh, giving the sports as an example about what you look at i think uh, fu- fundamentally team becomes the most important part in the in the whole thing and do they believe in each other do they stick together uh, kind of things so i think any entrepreneurs or 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 the budding guys who are looking for it i think uh, get the right person to partner with i think more than because everybody sitting on a billion dollar idea the way they think but i think the part is the 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 way you execute and with whom do you execute i think that is what uh, is uh, very crucial and i think you put it that uh, very well uh, so while we are on the topic of entrepreneurship i'll just take a couple of more uh, questions uh, is uh, i'll 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 ask a couple of more questions to you is like uh, first we spoke about how do you invest and now i'm talking about suppose you've been a part of a, a successful exit uh, so in that process how do you stay focused in the acquisition talk uh, uh, if people are looking for exit it could be a good exit it could be a slum sell or it could be a very uh, or any kind of thing but i think it's very important for entrepreneur to be focused about uh, what is best in for them and their team so how do you think that uh, come up some of thing that you can come up with or think of yeah certainly no i think firstly we got to understand the context of an exit what does it mean and more importantly why if the why is clear i think the hows and the whats sort of follow right so first things first you know i must clarify that today in india or for that matter in america or southeast asia the milestones you know the 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 general media talks about two basic milestones fundraised and exit right <laughs> which is fine but as an entrepreneur as a business that can't be that shouldn't be your motivation because the real journey is between that fundraise and exit right uh, if if that's all you're looking for nothing wrong all i'm saying is it will be hard because the real tough journey is that like you said 
the partnership at the start of the game to the end right you can't be talking about the toss and the end of the match everyone wants to win but it's about that process and that journey yeah. it's a bit philosophical but i have really learned it to be true secondly you know uh, today we talk about startups but i must put it out there that you look any business whether you are a chai wala whether you are a dream 11 whether you are a salon or a barber a business ultimately operates on a formula profit equal to revenue minus cost and i have the utmost respect for any business person because it's starting it is hard as a business you are taking risk you are creating jobs you are weathering economic storms and today our indian media gives a lot of hype to the venture back startups the unicorns but for a second i think to anyone listening you've got to be very respectful that the chai wala or the baba perhaps is a better businessman because he or she is making cash and profits yes right so we it's very important not to get swayed by the hype of ki are mere ko pitch deck banane ka hai mere ko paisa uthane ka hai mere ko unicorn banna hai unicorn sure but if tomorrow you just want to run a simple sports shop selling sports merchandise you're equally good business as long as you are making cash flow and your cash flow positive and you're profitable right and i say this because i have only run a services business which is based on profit and cash flow because i had no funding no loan i sell a service i get money i pay my bills and hopefully i'm profitable right now having said that if you want to be in the product business yes you can raise money from angels you can uh, raise money from venture capital that's a skill in fact if you're going down that path yes there you are looking for hockey stick growth there you are looking to scale fast and they say there are three skill sets that you and i'll summarize it as three r's you are trying to uh, be good at raising you are trying to be good at racing against competition and you are trying to be good at removing competition right so this is a typical three r's if you are playing the product game you are racing against time you want to grow quickly you want to be a unicorn and obviously if you have taken someone else's money he or she will want an exit because there is no free lunch so now let's talk about the exit right of course our exit was in services there were no investors but in either case the first question is why do you want to exit now in our case as a service business to be honest we never started to or we never planned to have an exit it happened as an accident our plan was to very honestly we were inspired by the likes of infosys tcs wipro ki you know in 30 years 40 years you can build a 100 million billion dollar company pure services that was our game but when something came our way for two years we sort of mulled over it we were naive we were confused you know we went through that song and dance and yeah. eventually we realized that the why for us was we wanted to become one of the top digital marketing companies in southeast asia and we felt by exiting with merkel and densu we could scale that ambition quickly so uh, there were two honest motivation one was to scale and accelerate our growth because it's a fairly competitive environment and the second i'll be honest was you know it gives us a good liquidity event personally because yeah. for you know 12 years we have taken very little salary uh, you know we have not sort of uh, made much money we have not made any other investments money went into the company so we said you know what if the money if the value is good it helps us and uh, it definitely makes us comfortable certainly right so the why was clear uh, in the case of product companies typically there's a trade sale or an ipo or another you know another competition sort of buys you out but have your why clear don't start it for the exit but if you have your why clear if it's personal goals if it's scaling up if it's acceleration if it's acquiring being part of a larger umbrella or having access to technology just be clear of that the other thing that i'll say philosophically what we learned the hard way during our acquisition is you should sell when you don't have to sell yeah because 
you know it's a, it's not like they say the best salesman or the best saleswoman is someone who does not sell is someone who people buy from the end result is a transaction but someone who is the eureka forbes door to door seller lot of respect but you know you are an active hard seller but you want to be an apple where people are queuing up to buy from you and willing to pay you more money right yeah. so you have created a brand a demand where people want to queue to give you money right how wonderful a situation right yeah. so you got to create demand for your business uh, real demand and virtual marketable demand so that people are chasing you for deals people are like boss they are queuing up to say i want to buy your company or i want to invest right and there's a whole art and science to doing that then i think once you've had the why once you've created that score product revenue base perception and brand around it i think you know you are obviously in a strong position where you can negotiate strongly right so keep time at your hand there doesn't have to be a distress sell you don't have to be desperate about it and you know i think in the sales process i think what's important the other two things to remember during that negotiation process is there is no the buyer side your advisors might say oh this is industry practice this is valuation these are the usual clauses if you are in a strong position know that nothing is sacrosanct you can negotiate whatever that you want right it is like sachin dictating terms on the pitch whether it's shane won or someone else if he is strong if he has the confidence he will make the bowler bowl according to you right you want to be in that position so you've got to be able to dictate terms and of course you hence you've got to be such and hence you've got to have that skill set practice etc etc that comes with it right. so negotiating is important because these moments are once or twice in a lifetime you know you've given 10 12 15 years your team has given your families have sacrificed so don't be in a rush take time be in that position have a strong negotiating power and the last thing is have good advisors like one thing we were really blessed is to have a very good i banker who helped uh, create our pitch deck she took us to multiple different kinds of buyers she took us through the negotiation process so one good i banker and one good lawyer because you know uh, deal structuring uh, finance law they are not our, they were not our strong suits we were marketers we were business folks it really helped us having that expert advice just the way having you know a gary kirsten or a john wright or uh, you know anyone in your support structure matters it is the same you've got to know what you're good at what you're not you need support uh, and let no one disillusion you or let don't sort of cut corners ki nahi nahi yahan paisa bachate that advice i can tell you this much you know without going to details that a without them the deal would not happen happen period b from where we you know initial uh, uh, buying price to where we ended up it was 3x because of their advice right uh, so again going to sports build that strong dictate terms in in a meaningful manner don't be under pressure don't sell when you don't have to sell and get good uh, legal and financial advice nice i think that's what we got to saw see in gujarat titans this ipl uh, yeah ashish ashish nehra uh, you know fabulous job uh, apart from everyone else <laughs> yeah ashish and uh, nobody expected hardik pandya to come back bounce back this way and uh, i think but i think that the the gary kasan sitting in dugout was a difference uh, when when <laughs> yeah. you say as you said the advisor is important right so the, the gary kasan sitting in the in, in the dugout was pretty crucial uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> so prantik uh, one uh, one really different uh, different uh, small question that i would understand uh, from you it's not a small question actually uh, uh, but it's uh, the world is moving toward being conscious uh, 
uh, and i think in the in the last two years of covid has taught us something that uh, you be human and be conscious yeah. and uh, if you have an opportunity give back so uh, we see so many uh, so called uh, or those uh, unicorns or so many people investing or uh, by generating so much fund how do you actually uh, leverage fundraiser to create a positive social impact uh, and uh, something that can you can give back and how as a marketer how do you think that actually helps you back yeah wonderful question i'll share some personal anecdotes and i think you know uh, firstly it has to come from the heart uh, you know it ha- like you said the word is conscious capitalism the word is uh you know you should do this uh for the greater good right yeah. but at the same time i genuinely believe that for this to be uh sustainable Sustainic. it can't be it can't be a charity right i'm a genuine you know a book that changed my life was uh you know uh it's called profit at the bottom of the pyramid uh, by ck prallad written maybe a, a couple of decades ago where he said and there's another book written by an uh, iim professor which is called i think we are like this only and both these books allude to the fact that whether you are a rich person or a very very poor person everyone has ambition everyone has desires you know as i say in dharavi in this book we are like this only in dharavi if you go you think they are very poor yes they may be but they have aspiration they have the same aspirations for a good tv a good fridge etc right and the reason i bring this up is because there is a lot that you can do but this has to be commercially viable for yeah. this to be sustainable otherwise you know it it feels as though you're going with a begging bowl to do good that is a approach but today you know there are so many good examples uh, at the corporate level whether it's the tatas the mahindras or you have organizations like the magic buses who are using sports as a vehicle to sponsor to support to you know to do so many things right and to me sports is a fantastic vehicle to not just as they say give fish but teach you how to fish right today imagine you create whether it's you know in india thankfully you have the law where 2% from your profit can be sort of invested into you know and you know the organizations like ogq or what nandan kamath is doing it's it's fabulous right you can take that and put that into the right structure in a sustainable manner recently last friday the gentleman matthew from magic bus was here and we were talking about it right how can you he's done this for 22 years right yeah. how do we get corporate sponsorship how do we get individual donor sponsorship and so a conscious capitalism is absolutely necessary everyone has to play a part b it can't and shouldn't be a charity begging bowl it has to be institutionalized by all stakeholders government corporates employees and to your question marketing i mean absolutely critical because you see what is marketing's role marketing's role is to sort of share good stories and to change behavior right that to me at the end of the day whether digital tv doesn't matter and again sports is a beautiful avenue or vehicle because sports is one of those rare content which is not scripted it's live yeah right sports is a platform where you can you know unearth talent like let's say a yashasvi jaiswal who has struggled and come up right those rags to riches stories will give goosebumps to anyone whether you love cricket or not right it's it's about giving a equalizer opportunity you look at paralympics you look at olympics right you look at today you know badminton you look at today uh, high you know high jump today india has so many great stories of people from you know non metros making their way up right and these are great marketable stories and if you use them well that will drive this sort of you know institutionalized corporate giving or you know as you said conscious capitalism and i'll give you a small example so my wife and i during covid we sort of ran a couple of uh, fundraisers uh, 
uh, to your question using a crowdfunding platform called Mila, right? Yeah. And to us, there were two options. I could quietly, anonymously donate and let go. But I said, I could do that, but I'm not utilizing my network, my marketing capability. So we said, what we'll do is we'll create a movement. We'll be catalyst and channelize our network and our bandwidth and our capability. So what started as, you know, as an individual, let's say I could give $1,000 as an example. Yeah. But we said on Milap, what we'll do is we'll start a dollar for dollar matching program. So if I give, if you give $1, I will match it, right? And we said as much as possible, we were requesting people to uh, not go anonymous because I know some people like to do it. But to me, it's not about showing up. To me, if Sid, Sid Reshmo gives $1 and Prantik matches, hopefully... 10 of my friends will come, 10 of your friends will come, right? So if I share these stories, the power of marketing is not to show off, but to share these stories to influence. So what happened? Year one, we managed to raise $100,000, right? Wow. $50,000, $50,000. Year two, uh, you know, when things got even worse, right? In Delhi, Bombay with the oxygen meter, all that, we said, you know what? We'll increase the stakes. But what was beautiful is because people had seen us do this, a few other entrepreneurs came, you know what? If you are doing one is to one, we will add one is to one from our side, right? Nice. So it became okay. one is to one is to one. So three, right? So there's a multiplier effect. Eventually it became one is to four, right? So for every dollar Sid gave, Prantik gave one, you know, someone else gave one, someone else gave one, right? So the power multiplied. So marketing in digital can give you the power of scale to multiply. And you'll be happy to hear what it led to us. So I'm part of this organization called Thai. A tie is big in the US right. and India, of course, right? So Thai saw this and said, wow, if a husband wife could, uh, you know, because in Singapore, thankfully, the media covered it because obviously it was such a poignant and uh, right. trying time. Media covered it. So, you know, we were very lucky to get a lot of donors and sponsors. But Thai said, if an individual could do this, imagine what Thai can do at an organization level. So we, I sort of gave them a blueprint and then we collectively said, you know what, let's take it big. So then in nine days, you won't believe uh, you know, we went to the one of the founders of Thai, Vinod Kosla, who's obviously Kosla. you know co-founders or co-founder of Sun. He runs Kosla Ventures. He says, you know what, Thai, if you can raise a million dollars in a in a week, I'll match it by a million dollars. So what I was doing at a very small level, he said, obviously he's a massive uh, uh, gentleman, you know, a big heart. We then then someone else said, wow, why can't we bring sports and culture to this? We got in Lara Dutta, we got in, uh, you know, Shamal Vallabhji, who works with a lot of IPL teams and as a personal coach. And eventually, last year, May, we had this massive virtual event, which had, you know, right from Amitabh Bachchan to Abhishek Bachchan to R. Ashwin to, so cricketers and Bollywood, right? The two things that sort of evoke emotion amongst Indians. We had a day long, you know, we had a sort of an evening long uh, virtual event where people could watch the event, hear their plea and donate online. And we partnered Give India. Atul has done such a wonderful job. So collectively, with Vinod Khosla's money and this Thai initiative through Give India and the Bollywood stars and cricketers, we managed to raise about 3.4 million USD. Right. Wow. So, but the point is not the money. The point is a the spark or the ripples of change an individual can create. Right. Sure. To your question, what can marketing do? So my plea to everyone is, you know, all of us have some capacity. One rupee, ten rupee. You have to start and you have to be a catalyst. You have to start a movement. And I can't find, you know, and when I juxtapose that with sports, sports is a brilliant medium because it gives us stories. It inspires us. So if I can combine the power of sports and marketing to channelize and motivate and catalyze movements, 
you know there is immense power to make change excellent pratik i think that is such a nice way to uh, put a good cap of uh, humanity and uh, power of marketing together uh, towards the discussion i think i wouldn't i couldn't have asked for any better ending uh, for for the chat for now i think it's uh, we covered so many great aspects starting with you as a cricketer at uic uh, trying to uh, follow the dream of uh, wearing the blue from there to the marketer and uh, from having a successful exit to having your uh, what to say the journey of investing and giving back and i think the thai as I've, i've been part of thai community in the us as well and in pune and uh, it's 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 a great uh, great journey we uh, shamul is a dear friend uh, for me and uh, he been on on my platform as well on on oh, scene yeah yeah so uh, it's 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 a great community i think what you try to bridge the gap i think this the it's it's wonderful as you said the sports creates uh, about limitless or boundaryless uh, relations i think that is something really good and finally at the end of the day uh, use marketing to make make it to the make a bigger impact i think uh, that's what makes a happy marketer and uh, <laughs> that's what uh, we got to hear from uh, a catalyst uh, uh, prantik majumdar i think it is great to have you on our platform it was wonderful chatting with you and hope to host you uh, uh, again uh, in near future thank you so much sir and thank you to to you someone like you for doing this and getting all these stories out and you know getting this content out i'm sure it will influence not just students but business leaders and people interested in the power of sports to drive change so thank you thank you for doing this thank you and i i, I hope to make a change someday somewhere with with whatever i'm doing so you probably already are so yeah thank you thank you pranthik thank you thank you for watching thank you for liking and thank you for sharing but please do subscribe on our channel sports sees says and help us spread the word about sports we go with the same handle sports sees says across all the social media platforms and podcasts don't forget to click on the bell icon